podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router. And any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. can't really shout today so what is good boys and girls how y'all doing today is friday the 10th of february and i am a sickly man today but i am here i do have guy with me he'll join us after the break to go through this weekend's fixtures and make some very incorrect predictions but for now we are going to very quickly run through the latest news uh david rea has turned down two contract offers from Brentford but says he is happy at the club uh Tottenham Chelsea and Manchester United all apparently interested in him I don't think he's that level of goalkeeper but if I'm Brentford I'm cashing in this summer 
and getting the biggest possible fee because knowing how Brentford operate and how they recruit, they'll find a better goalkeeper to replace him. Um, he is a good goalkeeper, there's no doubt. He's having a good season. He's been very, very good of late. And it was notable how much they missed him last season when he got injured. But I'm not sure he's an elite-level keeper. But we'll see. We'll see. We, we won't know for certain until someone buys him. Uh, Nathan Jones continues to just be the strangest man in the Premier League and comes out with the most ridiculous statements I've ever heard. Now, he's bigging himself up properly here and the job he says he's capable of doing at um, Southampton. His own fans are laughing at him. Former players in the media are laughing at him for the ridiculous things he's saying. And the bottom line is the results have not been good enough. Since he took over, the results have not been good enough. There's far more talent there than what is being shown. And a big part of why it's not been shown is the way he's setting the team up. He took over on the 10th of November. Which means that he has now overseen seven league matches. One win over Everton, six defeats. Now, admittedly, they did manage to win two FA Cup games against Palace, which was a decent result, and Blackpool, who you'd expect them to beat. And they'll play Grimsby in the next round. So a little bit of a cup run developing there. They did knock out Manchester City and Lincoln City from the League Cup, but then they lost twice to Newcastle. So, I mean, overall, you're looking at five wins, four of which don't help you stay in the Premier League. And that's, he was brought in to keep them in the Premier League. That's the bottom line of it. And unless he turns things around quite quickly, I do think they will get rid of him. I would be, I would be surprised if he lasts until the end of the season. This, what he's showing at Southampton reminds me of what he showed at Stoke, where there was more pressure, more coverage than he was getting at Luton, where, let's be fair, he did a very, very good job at Luton both times he was there. But, Outside of the friendly confines of Kenilworth Road, he he talks too much. He says silly things. And the players don't seem to want to play for him. That's the biggest part of it. Every week, it seems like there's a story coming out about unrest in that camp. And that does not reflect well on him. So it wouldn't surprise me if he finds himself out of a job, maybe as soon as by the end of this month. They've apparently already had talks internally about replacing him. They've decided to give him a bit more time, likely because they gave him a a three-and-a-half-year contract. They'll have to pay the thing off to get rid of him. But he he just he doesn't look cut out for this type of this type of gig. That's that's my view. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, Leeds continue to search for a new manager. And they had apparently honed in on Andoni Iraola, the Rio Vallecano manager, 
but uh, Spanish football expert, Guillaume Balaga, Spanish football expert, a man who is laughed at in his homeland, by the way. Uh, he claims that the approach has been blocked by Rayo Vallecano, who do not want to lose their promising young manager at this point of the season, which is fair enough. Leeds got a really good result the other night, 2-2 draw at Old Trafford, a game that they'll probably have come away from disappointed, having gone 2-0 up. They would have hoped to hold out, but a point is a point, and it's a valuable point for them. And it should be a confidence-boosting point as well, because they played some very good football. Right now, it looks like Arnie Slot of Feyenoord is the one that they're kind of closest to. But Marcelo Gallardo is also apparently someone they have approached. And he's someone I mentioned when talking about who I would go for. He would be my second choice behind Abel Ferreira. Abel Ferreira's name has not been mentioned. I think that's short-sighted on their behalf. They're not looking at him. But Gallardo is is available straight away. He has left River Plate. He is available now. So that would make sense. Arnie Slot leaving Feyenoord. At this point in the season, I would say that would be a mistake because he could well win the league title with Feyenoord this year. They are top of the league. Two points clear of A's at Alkmaar. There's 14 games left. Ajax are having a funky season PSV are having a bit of a funky season. There's a real opportunity to win the league title. And if he wins that league title, he'll be able to write his own ticket to go wherever he wants. Now, Feyenoord, the football he has them playing is excellent, but they're a bit mental. I mean, I don't know if anyone saw their game the other night where they played NEC in the Cup. And the game ends in a 4-4 draw. Feyenoord had 69% of the possession. That's not shocking. What is shocking is they had 50, 5-0, 50 shots in the game, 27 on target. NEC had had 13 total shots, only six on target. That game ended 4-4, went to penalties. Now, Feyenoord went on and won the penalty shootout, but... That is, that's appalling. And bear this in mind. In the 90th minute of that game, they were 2-0 down. They got a penalty on 90. Koku scored. They scored again on 92. The game went to extra time. NEC went 3-2 up. Jimenez equalizes two minutes later. Dilroson scores on 116 to put uh, Feyenoord. 4-3 up, NEC equalizing, equalized to make it 4-4. NEC should have had that game wrapped up. But 50 shots on target. Sorry, 50 shots total, 27 on target. Now, admittedly, they played against 10 men for the last couple of minutes of regulation time and then all of extra time. But 50 shots on target is ludicrous. Ludicrous. He does play good football, but he, he might want to work a bit on the finishing uh, of his of his attacking players. Now, they are scoring at a pretty good clip this season, but still, when you're having that many shots, you need to be scoring a lot more goals. Um, I think he should stay where he is, personally. 
And I think I I think Gallardo is a better manager than him anyway. Now he's just part of it is he's more proven. Part of it is I think his style of football is better suited to the Premier League and better suited to a relegation battle. He does want to play an attacking brand. There's no doubt there. But I think he can also be a little bit more cynical when he needs to. And you look at the success he had. Won a league title with Nacional in Uruguay. Had a tremendous season there. Moves to River. He's done eight years with River Plate. That's one of the biggest clubs in the world. He's done eight years there. So he's used to all the pressure, all the expectation. Not many managers last at River Plate or Boca Juniors or any of those big South American clubs longer than two or three years. He lasted eight and and left by his own volition. They would have kept him forever. Won an Argentine title, won three Argentine Cups, two Super Cups, two Copa Libertadores, uh, a Sudamericana, the Recopa Supermericana, which is the, I suppose, the... um, their Super Cup, you know, where the Libertadores winners play the Sudamericana winners. He won that three times. He's just had, he's set American coach of the year three different times. He's had an unbelievable run there. I think he's, if you're not going to go for Abel Ferreira, this is the guy to go for. Um, Right. That's pretty much it. There's probably lots that I've missed. And and you know what? I'm sure you're aware of what it is. So I'm just going to run through the gossip, go to a break, bring Guy in, and we'll run through the games because, honestly, I, I don't feel very well at all today. So apologies. Next week we will return to more normal carry-on on this podcast. Right, so uh, Wednesday's gossip. Newcastle will compete with Manchester City to sign James Madison from Leicester. In the summer. Um, if I was him, I think I'd go to Newcastle because I think he's more likely to get a regular starting role there than he is with City. Um, plus, City, you know, could be a a non-Premier League team in the coming years. Manchester United are targeting a £100 million move for either Harry Kane or Victor Osman with Eric Ten Hag prioritising a world-class striker. I would bet they get neither of those. I think if they do get a striker, it wouldn't surprise me if it's Dusan Vlahovic. But I also think his best move would probably be Bayern. I think Kane is going to stay at Spurs. I don't think Napoli will sell Osman, especially if they win the league. I think they'll go. They'll want to go and try and win the Champions League next season. Qatari investors will soon make a formal bid for Manchester United. Um... Good journalists have said that they have no intel on that at all. So I I don't know. Manchester City are keen to beat Real Madrid and Liverpool to the signing of Jude Bellingham. Uh, But the threat of sanctions after they were charged by the Premier League could deter them from doing so. It'll be interesting to see how City behave in the transfer market this summer. Borussia Dortmund are preparing their offer to persuade Bellingham to stay in Germany for the year. I've said this on a couple of podcasts. My preference from a Liverpool point of view, would be that Bellingham stays where he is for another year. Liverpool sort out the problems in their team and he joins a team that's then ready to compete for a league title in 2024-25. Arsenal 
may still decide to sell Fowler and Balogun in the summer, despite him scoring 14 goals in 21 games for Reims this season. He's a massively talented young striker. Sean Dyche will receive a bonus of more than $3.5 million if he leads Everton to Premier League safety. Wouldn't be a surprise if that's true. Everton have a history of, of promising managers large bonuses to keep them in the league, which is fair enough. Liverpool and Manchester United have both began working on a summer deal for Eintracht Frankfurt's 24-year-old French forward, Randall Colomouani. He Liverpool have no, no need for a player like him. He's a good player. If you can get him for around 40 million, that's a decent deal. 50 would be a stretch, but you could get to 50. Anything beyond that, and I've seen prices quoted to up to 80 million, would be ridiculous. Chelsea could include English defender Trevo Chalaba in a deal for Denzel Dumfries. Why would they want to sign Denzel Dumfries? They've just signed Malo Gusto and they have Reese James. They don't need another right back. That's garbage. Manchester United are holding talks with Diogo Delo over a new contract. France midfielder Adrian Rabiot, who came close to joining Manchester United last year, is among five first-team players put up for, for sale by Juventus. Rabiot was at a contract in the summer, so he cannot be put up for sale. This is garbage. Inter Milan have held talks with Lionel Messi. Oh, sorry. Inter Milan did hold talks with Lionel Messi before he decided to join Paris Saint-Germain. Roma's 23-year-old Italian winger, Nicolo Zaniolo, has travelled to Turkey to complete a move to Galatasaray. That's already, that's done. That deal has happened since. Uh, Spanish midfielder Sergio Busquets has been offered a two-year deal worth $16 million a season by Al-Nazir, but we'll wait to see if Barcelona give him a new decision before, a new deal before make, making a decision. I, I think he should take that money and run. And I think Barca should let him run because that will be the first running he's done in a couple of years. His legs are gone. It's time to move him on. On to Thursday. Liverpool are among the clubs interested in Everton defender Jared Brantwaite, who is on loan at PSV Eindhoven. Manchester United and Roma are also tracking the England under-20 centre-back. He's very talented. I, I'm stunned Everton aren't just saying, no, he's part of our future. 6-5, left-footed, big and rangy, good on the ball. I think you'd be nuts to sell him, but it is Everton after all. Gabon striker Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is on the verge of leaving Chelsea for LAFC. They have a, a slot open now with Bale retired, so that would make sense. Chelsea are in advanced talks with Thiago Silva over a deal to take the Brazilian defender's contract beyond his 39th birthday. Arsenal, Liverpool and Newcastle are all interested in Edson Alvarez. Uh, I could see him making sense for Arsenal and Newcastle. Arsenal could also have a clear run at Martin Zubimendi, thanks to Barcelona turning their transfer focus elsewhere. I think he's still, he's Xavi's top target anyway. Who knows what Barca will do though. Uh, Jude Bellingham has reportedly ruled out moves to PSG and Chelsea. Liverpool, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Manchester City and Manchester United are all keen on the player. We can rule out Barcelona because they don't have that kind of money. We can probably rule out United because they don't have a need for a player like Jude. Um, Jude and Casemiro is not a double pivot you want to go to. You, wait, you, 
You could do it. You'd be wasting Jude, though. You'd be wasting him playing him in that role. Everton will make another attempt to sign Beto from Udinese in the su- in the summer after failing to clinch a January transfer. Uh, Leeds have been turned down by Rio Vallecano for coach Andoni Areola. That's fine. Tottenham could sign Ben Foster as cover for Hugo Lloris, who was out at least six weeks with a knee injury. Um, I doubt it. I doubt it. Nathan Jones' job is safe for now. Okay, that's fine. Chelsea have decided to loan Andre Santos out to a Brazilian club should he fail to obtain a work permit. Um, I would have said it would be better to loan him to a European club, potentially one that could play in the Champions League, where maybe he'd play in the Champions League and get some, get some points towards his work permit. Chelsea are in a in, in advanced talks over a new deal for Lewis Hall. He's very promising. Very, very promising. You can see why they'd want to. Manchester United have been handed encouragement in the pursuit of both Frankie De Jong and Ansu Fati. I just don't see them selling Ansu Fati. I think they'll look to sell Frankie. I just don't see them looking to sell Ansu Fati. Olivier Giroud is set to discuss a new contract AC Milan, he's been a target for Everton. Uh, I don't think he'll want to go to Everton, personally. Striker Joao Mendes, the 17-year-old son of Ronaldinho, is set to join Barcelona after passing a trial at the Nou Camp. Morocco World Cup star Sofian Amrabat offered to play for free in order to secure a move to Barcelona. No, he didn't. Garbage. Absolute garbage. Bayern Munich sporting director Hassan Salahamazic says the club turned down an offer from Inter Milan for Benjamin Pavard. He also said that they didn't pay a loan fee for Xiao Canseo, which is just all very weird. Spain defender Sergi Roberto is set to agree a contract extension with Barcelona. Huddersfield are considering approaching Charlton boss Dean Holden to take over as their new manager after the dismissal of Mark Fotheringham. Chris Wilder and Liam Richards are also among possible candidates. Um, Wilder obviously didn't do that well at Borough, but I, I could, you know, I could see the sense in appointing him. And then the last day is today's. So Manchester City are interested in signing Ben Chilwell in the summer. They were linked to Chilwell before he went to Chelsea, so you could understand why that one would be perhaps true. French League champions Paris Saint-Germain will make a move for Pep Guardiola if he leaves the English club. Yeah, again, you can understand why they would want to do that. Chelsea have identified Victor Osman as their top target for the summer's transfer window. Doubt it. Inter Milan want to renew Romelu Lukaku's season-long loan at the club. He's had a disastrous season because of injury, so yeah, I suppose it makes sense to try and keep him another year. You've paid a big enough loan fee, so... You might as well try and get some value out of it. Tottenham are interested in Mark Gwehi. Mark Gwehi would make a lot of sense. Mark Gwehi in the middle of that back three would make a lot of sense. Um, LAFC do not believe they will be able to convince Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang to join them on a short-term loan. RB Leipzig may look to re-sign Naby Keita after they had a deadline day bid rejected by Liverpool for the Guinea International. He'll definitely get a good move in the summer. There's no doubt there'll be 
a lot of clubs interested in a player of his quality because quality isn't the issue with him. He just can't stay fit. Barcelona and Ivory Coast midfielder Frank Tessie turned down a move to Tottenham in the January transfer window. Uh, Ajax are stepping up their attempts to sign Julian Ward as their new sporting director when he leaves Anfield at the end of the summer. Leeds are considering a move for Arnie Slot. Uh, Barcelona want to extend the contract of Sergio Busquets. I just think that's a bad decision all around. Liverpool are keeping close tabs on Birmingham and England Youth International George Hall. Everton and Leeds are also interested. He's very talented. I do like him. Barcelona will pursue a deal for Benjamin Pavard. I don't know why. He wouldn't get in their team. He wouldn't get anywhere near their team. Um, Benjamin Pavard's best position is right side of a back three. Which is why he makes sense for Inter Milan. Doesn't make sense for Barcelona. Carlo Ancelotti could be set to replace Tite as the Brazil head coach. That's the type of job I could see Carlo enjoying. Former Leicester teammates, Danny Simpson and Danny Drinkwater, are among a group of unemployed footballers organising kickabouts to keep fit. That's quite cool. Obviously, it'd be better for them if they had contracts, but, I mean, that's quite good. Drinkwater's only 32 as well. I mean, he could do a job in the championship. Simpson's probably had his day. Portugal forward Joe Felix says he's unsure if he will stay at Chelsea when his loan expires as the Blues do not have an option to buy him and not forgetting that his current club, Atletico Madrid, also extended his contract for a year. So I don't think he's likely to stay. Right, that is that. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll be joined by young Mr. Drinkle and we will go over the 10 Premier League games from this weekend there's some really good games on the slate and some that are less appealing so we'll see you in a minute right welcome back so i am joined by mr drinkle how are you sir gonna talk about football yeah, it could be worse. Could be worse. Could be better. Obviously, it could mm-hmm. be better. Liverpool could be good, but it could be worse. We could have to talk about politics or something. Um, uh, let us let us begin then, guy, with the Premier League meetings Saturday and Sunday before we sink into depression talking about the game on Monday. Yes, and the first thing we've got to figure out is why Chelsea are on TV all the time. Because they are away at West Ham for the first game, which is on telly for BT Sport. Uh, you made a good point. Is it just just to see what the crack is, basically? Because nobody has a clue. Yeah, just just to see like what madness. Will, will Bowley sack Potter mid-match? Will he run onto the pitch with a bag of money mid-game and try and buy one of the West Ham players? David Moyes, uh, fancy a job. <laughs> David Moyes? You're looking grey. Here's some money for some just for men and, and come on over. Give you the glow up. It, like Anything could happen with Todd Bowie. Anything could happen with him. So I don't know why this game is on TV other than the fact it's a London derby because both of these teams are not very good. Uh, Chelsea sit ninth. They've got one win in their last five. West Ham sit 17th. One win in their last five. 
Um, Chelsea have had two very dour draws in their last two games. West Ham have actually taken four points in the last two games. So that is probably their best run of form in a while. Injury-wise, Chelsea have a number of players out. Brogia, Pulisic, Kante, Fafana. Kovacic could be back. Jeff Felix is back. Zakari is probably still out another little while, and Edward Mendy remains out, having had surgery on his on his hand. Uh, West Ham, no Zuma, no Cornet, no Ariola, no Carrer. Skimaka, they're hopeful he could be back, but at best, I'd say he makes the bench. This is, I think, a must win for 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 Chelsea because right now they're eleven points. Sorry, 10 points behind Newcastle, who sit fourth. Now, they've played the same number of games, but the tune, despite having some struggles in attack, they're rock-solid defensively. They look very hard to beat. So while I could definitely see them drop out of the top four, and I think they will drop out of the top four, I don't know that I see Chelsea making up even this 10-point gap, let alone anything bigger. And when we consider that Chelsea can't score goals to save save their lives and defensively haven't exactly been incredible themselves, they've been pretty good, but not incredible. I just don't see them having the capability to go on a long run. And Bowley has, has gambled on them being in the Champions League next season. So much of the money they've spent is based on getting into the Champions League. And if they don't, it's going to hammer them for their FFP compliance. And their profit and loss is going to be in the toilet. Now, their accounts for next year are going to be, for this current season, when they come out, will be hilarious. If they don't have Champions League football, you would have to start worrying about what what happens next. Good job they've got a million players to sell. <laughs> well, that's that's what they're going to have to do. Like, there's, I think there's going to be a fire sale at Chelsea this mm-hmm. summer. And I think a lot of people will be surprised by some of the names that head out the door. Mount's think, probably the most obvious one, isn't he? I think Mason Mount will leave this summer. Is Kante, on a, is Kante on a free? Kante's on a free. Jorginho's uh, gone. Levi Colwell going wouldn't surprise me. Um because they, they've just signed Badia Shile, who plays the same role as left-footed centre-back. Mendy and or Kappa. One of them, I think, goes. I, I think Koulibaly could go. Um, I, I think Gallagher could go. I think Sterling could go. Aubameyang definitely go. Aubameyang, yeah, he's gone. If they could find a move for him now, I think they, they'd move him on. I'm surprised they're not. Either can't. Another team can't register him, can they? <clears throat> oh, that's uh, another team in It'd have Europe. to be Barca. Barca could take him, but they they can't now. But I, I, as I far know. as I'm aware, could couldn't he go to America? I think it's a FIFA thing, isn't it? So is it a FIFA thing? No? Maybe, maybe. Yeah, if, if that's the case, then he can just go there for a holiday. Go go chill out in LA for six months. Um, I think, I think Chelsea have to win this game, and. I think they have to win this game, and I don't think they will. I'm going to go for a draw here. I'll go 1-1. Okay. 
Yeah, I mean, London derbies like this sometimes turn into absolute chaos, but you don't, you just don't really see it with these two teams at the minute, do you? So I don't think it'd be the most exciting one. Um, but next up at the three o'clock kickoffs, we have Arsenal against Brentford. Um, it's a strange one because if Arsenal just beat Everton, I'd probably think this should be easy for Arsenal. But they lost to Ever- uh, Everton and Brentford are the form team of the league, basically. Yeah, Brentford are in great form at the moment. And they're playing good football. And they do play an aggressive style that is is the type that has given Arsenal some trouble this season. And that's exactly how Everton overcame them. Now, the last time they played, I think Arsenal ran out comfortable enough winners. But I do think Brentford in the form that they're in will cause Arsenal some trouble. You wouldn't you wouldn't bet against Arsenal winning the game because they have been the best team in the league thus far this season. But for Brentford, it's probably the best time in terms of how both teams have been performing. Because if you look at Arsenal's games recently, lost to Everton, lost to City. So they've actually lost two in a row. They weren't particularly impressive against United and could easily have lost that game. They were pretty good against Spurs and won that game fairly comfortable. Throughout the Oxford game, they're not in this conversation. But they weren't impressive Mm -hmm. against Newcastle. And if it wasn't for some really spawny goals and some very fortunate decision-making by a referee, Brighton could well have gotten something out of that game. To be fair, Dave, apart from Everton, they are like the best teams in the country at the minute. Yeah, no, that's that's fair enough. But that's where, where Brentford come in as well. No, yeah, that's true. That's I, true. I mean, Brentford are, 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 are a match of any of these teams mm-hmm. in recent form. Like, you, you look at how Brentford have gone this season. They've only lost four games in the league. That's really impressive for a team in their second season in the Premier League, over halfway through the season. And they're now 10 games unbeaten, nine games unbeaten, nine games unbeaten in the league. They've won away to City, away to West Ham, at home to Liverpool. They've gotten a draw with Spurs, a game they should have won. Like, they haven't lost in the league since the 23rd of October. But yeah. Now, Arsenal did beat them 3-1, sorry, 3-0 in the return fixture. And Arsenal looked exceptionally good on the day. Exceptionally good on the day. So, we'll see. I'll back Arsenal to win. I think they'll win the game 2-1. But I do think Brentford will cause them a lot of trouble. Just checking on injuries, there's not anyone major missing apart from Gabby Jesus, but we know about that one. Jesus, uh, Nelson, Smith, Rowell, Nenny, the, the three three yeah. of them wouldn't be starting, and the three of them have been out for ages. Jesus is the one that matters. Mm-hmm. For Brentford, Janssen, Onyeka, and Baptiste, and they're hoping that they might have Baptiste and Onyeka back. Like, they're in, they're in really good nick compared to how they have been at different points in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, Janssen is the one that they'll miss, but he would actually be a liability against this Arsenal team because he's quite slow on the turn. Whereas the last couple of games, their defence has been a lot more 
a lot more aggressive, a lot more reactive and proactive. And with Janssen out, they've actually gone on this great run. So it might be a thing that Janssen comes back and doesn't get back in the team. Who is their centre-back? Janssen, uh, not Janssen, me, Ayer and Pinnock. Is that their back three now? For the last couple of games, so we start with Southampton uh, in the in the last game. They went with a two right. with Pinnock and me, and they played 4-3-3. Three, three. Before that, they played Leeds. They went with a back three. It was Ayer, Pinnock, and me. Uh, before that, it was the Bournemouth game. Uh, again, it was a four. Ayer played right back in that one. Um, Pinnock and me. So, yeah, that's like Pinnock isn't the quickest, but he's not. He's more comfortable in slightly bigger spaces. Like, because if you think of it, when they came up playing the three, mm-hmm. Pinnock was playing one of the wide roles. So, he's used to defending bigger spaces. Um, so they've got the option. They can go with the three, they can go with the two. And their fullbacks are adaptable. Their midfield is adaptable. Josh De Silva's really playing well at the moment. Mm. Jensen's playing well. Norgaard's playing well. I mean, Janelt, who was their best player last season after Tony, has been struggling to get a regular start in midfield at points this season. And, you know, the more more help they can put around uh, Ivan Tony, the better when they get both Wissa and Mbomo either side of him. And then you've got the likes of Lewis Potter, um, Kevin Shade, who they brought in in the January window, Damsgaard. This is great for, for Bournemouth, or for Brentford, rather, to have all these options to throw out. And for Arsenal, that's a lot of very pacey, very dynamic players, all of whom are very, very direct. Like, if you think of, if you think of Bri- uh, Brentford's wide players. The one thing they all have in common is they're really quick, but they also like to get the ball and head straight for goal. Like yeah. there's no, there's no needless movement. There's no Jack Grealishes among them. They all want to make things happen straight away. And when you've got Ivan Tony backed up against those center backs and people moving in and around them, that's going to cause trouble for anybody. What do you reckon the score was? Unless you already said it, and I wasn't. Oh, I got two one, two one to Arsenal. Yeah, I don't think a draw would be the worst um, result for Arsenal either. To be fair, considering the form of Brentford. Um, but moving on to the game that probably should be the early kickoff um, is Crystal Palace Brighton. The derby, which I don't know how to name, um, is it's a weird one because. All the, I remember these games always being tight when I've seen them. Obviously, last minute equalising stuff like I think it was Morpé last season. Uh, didn't Mateta or someone get a last minute winner last season as well? Um, but it feels like this should be on TV rather than the early one, but it should be a fun game as well because Brighton have the best player in the world. That's the thing. Matoma is just, at this point, he's just kind of relentless, isn't he? Like, no matter what happens, he is eventually going to make his mark on the game. Um, I'm looking forward to this one. I think this is one of the more interesting games of the weekend. I think this is one of the games that promises to, to have good football on display. Both teams want to be progressive. Both teams want to, you know, keep the ball on the floor and, and you know, build from the back. Brighton right now, to me, are just the most enjoyable team in the league. Uh, They're just playing tremendous football. And they've got so many really exciting players. And everybody seems to be playing at a really high level. Like, even sort of players that you wouldn't expect 
to perform at a top half of the league level. Solly March, for example, he's in phenomenal form. And what he's doing really well is he's simplified his game. He's not trying to do things he's not capable of. He's just shifting the ball onto his left foot and picking a pass, picking a cross, or hitting a shot on goal. He's not trying to take too much out of it. I think De Zerbi's done an unbelievable job since taking over. And it's not like he has he hasn't had any sort of bad luck. I mean, he's had a number mm-hmm. of injuries. He's had he remember the remember the schedule when he first took over. Like they went through kind of all the top teams back to back to back to back. Mm-hmm. And you thought, oh, this might be this might be tough because his style of football and Potter's style of football are quite different in terms of how they want the teams to build up. But he's just been able to make it work so quickly. And all of the players have completely bought in, which speaks to a really strong dressing room at Brighton, a really strong collective of players who are fully committed to the club. Um, this weekend, no motor. He's still a couple of weeks out. No Colwell. He's a couple of weeks out. He's so good, by the way. Uh, Evan Ferguson, they're hopeful that he can be back, which would be huge because he's been brilliant for them this season. Uh, Alexis is back. He missed the last game with a suspension. Lalana, they're hopeful he'll be back. He's had a he's had a knock the last couple of weeks. So there's a few injuries there, but there's been injuries for them all season. It's just been next man up. Whoever's called on has performed. Palace... It's a little bit rougher for them. No Wilf Zaha, which is a big, big blow. Yoki Manderson is a doubt. Joel Ward is out. MacArthur's out. And Ferguson's out. MacArthur and Ferguson have missed most of the season. Ward, they have Klein. It's whichever five out of ten right back you want, so it doesn't really matter. But Anderson's a big blow. Chris Richards, Chris Richards would be better off playing with Anderson. He's more of a Gwehi backup than an Anderson backup. That's the one thing I think they need to, another thing they need to address in the summer. They need another centre-back in who can play when Anderson's not there. Another sort of big, dominant centre-back as opposed to that more covering centre-back, which both Richards and Gwehi are. Um, Zaha has a huge blow, a huge, huge blow. Given that this game is at Palace, I'm going to go for a draw. I'm going to go 2-2. Because I do think Palace at home with that great crowd in this game in particular, with that rivalry, I think it will spur the players on a little bit. Um, and they do they do need to start picking up some more points. So they got two points in the last five games, which obviously isn't ideal. And they've seen Villa open up a gap on them um, from 11th to 12th to four points now. They've also seen Forrest catch up with them and Leicester are only three points behind with a superior goal difference. So they don't want to be falling too far back towards the mess. But I'll go for the draw here. I think this will be a good game of football. 2-2. Yeah, it should be fun. But the next game should be fun as well, and that's Fulham against Forest. Although I've just realised Fulham haven't scored in their last three. Um, it's a bit of a strange one, because I think most people would associate if Mitrovic is playing, they'd be fine, but... I suppose he missed that penalty against Newcastle, Tottenham. I remember them having chances. Um, and Chelsea, I did better. I didn't watch. <laughs> um, I'd do better things on a Friday night. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, is this the start of the Fulham back to normality thing, or is it just a couple of free hard fixtures there in Tottenham, Chelsea, and Full and um, Newcastle? Yeah, I think it's I think it's more the the fixtures they've had. I think you know you're talking about it, the team in fourth, the team in fifth, and while they are in ninth, the team that has spent you know six hundred odd million uh, this season and, and should be a lot better than they are. Um, they've they've been creating chances. They just like you said, they haven't been taking them. But it is a bit of a disappointing run. Now, look, if you told them they'd be eighth on thirty two points after twenty two games, they'd have snapped your hand off. They've got sixteen games left to get. You know, they they always say forty well, get forty. <laughs> they probably don't need forty. Yeah, like you said, like three or four more points will keep them up. So they're they're going to be absolutely delighted with how the season's going regardless of of, of this hiccup Forest are, <laughs> Forest are playing really well Forest are unbeaten now in their last five league games um, and they're playing very good football they lost to United and everybody thought oh they're going to fall apart again but then they drew with Chelsea beat Southampton, beat Leicester, drew at Bournemouth, beat Leeds, and now they go into this game. I do fancy Fulham to win, um, particularly being at home. Fulham have no Tom Kearney, no Harrison Reed, no Cabano, but Reed and Kearney might be back. Reed is an important player for them. He's been really good this season. But if he's in any way a risk, don't don't play him. Mm-hmm. Use the new kid the new the new midfielder you brought in, uh Sasalukic next to Paulinho, and that should be fine. Carney's a squad player anyway. So it's really just Cabano who's missing. Forrest, they've got loads of injuries. Niakata still out. I mean they're saying another month. When he got injured, they said it'll be a, it'll be a month. That we're was in September. We sided him in the summer. He fit in at Liverpool. Yeah, he wouldn't. Ma- he'd probably be perfect <laughs> to Liverpool. Uh, Dean Henderson's out for a month. Awani is out for a month. Shelby's a few weeks away. They knew that when they signed him. Ryan Yates is out for a couple of weeks. Bianconi, Omar Richards, who still hasn't kicked the ball this season, it's just ridiculous. And Czech Coyate is out potentially for most of the rest of the season. But Forrest have so many players that none of this matters because they've got they've, they've bought 30 players <laughs> across the last two transfer windows, which is just insanity. Um, I'm going to go for the Fulham win, but I think it'll be a close one. I'll go 2-1. I think Forrest will cause them some trouble. Yeah, again, should be another fun game. Uh, if I'm on the right tab, there we are. Uh, Leicester against Spurs. Um, Emerson Royale, best right back in the world. Uh, <laughs> but Leicester got the important win last weekend. But by by all accounts, I, I didn't I watch any highlights or anything. But it sounded like Villa lost that game rather than Leicester won it. Yeah, Villa threw it away. Completely threw it away. Villa were the better team by a country mile and somehow managed to just gift goals over and over and over again. Now, Leicester, no Justin, no Bertrand, 
Some, uh, Bubakari, Samari, they're hopeful he could be back, but he may, might be another week away. And Didi's back, which is a big, big boost for them. Ricardo Pereira, they're hopeful he's back. He's been playing, um, he played for the other 21s there during the week. So he's getting very, very close to, to returning, which will be a big boost because it'll mean not having to play Castanier as much. And Johnny Evans, they're hopeful that he could be back as well. He's been out for a while with, with small injuries, which is a problem for him. Um, Leicester just always have people hurt. Spurs, though, they've got people out as well. Basumu's out. He had surgery. Uh, stress fracture to his left ankle. So he Ooh. could be out for the season. Um, Lucas Moura's out for a while. But he's getting closer to a return. Papa Matar Sar, they're hopeful he'll be back. He did not knock to the hip. I think he sustained in the Arsenal game. Mm-hmm. Romero suspended for the two yellow cards against City. Um, and Lloris is out for six weeks. Lloris is a problem because Fraser Foster's the other goalkeeper there and he's not very good. But Lloris had been so poor lately that maybe it's for the best. Yeah. Romero's a huge blow because he's by far their best defender. But Leicester are just, like, I don't know. I, they've been awful all season. They've lost 12 games. Only Southampton have lost more games than Leicester. Their defence stinks. But what they do have is they've got a really potent attack. They've scored 32 goals this season. That's more than anyone in the bottom half. It's 10 more than Chelsea, the same as Fulham. Only two less than than United and Liverpool. Sorry, the Newcastle and Liverpool, four less than United. Their defence just stinks, though. Now, they are getting these players back, which will help. But I don't have confidence in them to win this game. And I think I, I do think Spurs, having played really well against City, should get a confidence boost. Now, the big question is, is Antonio Conte on the bench or not? Because obviously... He had surgery, and it's normally a two-week sort of recovery period, so he might still be missing here as well. I'm sure I saw he's back in work, so I'm guessing that means yes. Oh, well, then, he, then he'll be there, stitches yeah. and all. He won't care. Um, I'm going to go for a Spurs win. I'll go... I'll go 3-1 to Spurs. Yeah, it should be a fun one either way, as you say, Leicester. I think it'll be a good game. Yeah, yeah, I think Leicester... Good at one end, bad at the other, as you say. Um, always fun games. Uh, moving on then, Southampton against Wolves. We need a Southampton win because we need to protect Nathan Jones's press conferences. Um, but Wolves uh, thumped Liverpool last weekend. Very important for them. Whereas Southampton, as you said in the bit in the earlier part of the podcast, meh. Just yeah, not the, really. Yeah. Their league form is just so poor and. You know, at at the weekend they went to Brentford and the game was over by half time. Yeah, like they they did fairly well for forty minutes. Then Ben Mee scored. Then they just collapsed. Then Bomo scores three minutes later, and in the second half, like they had some chances, but you never felt like they were going to get back into it. You thought they might get one here, but they won't get two. And then Jensen made it three nil on eighty, and that was it. If Wolves play half as well as they did against Liverpool, they win this comfortably. But this is in Southampton. So they do have the home advantage. Not that it's made a whole lot of difference to them this season. Uh, Injury-wise, Larius is out. 
Livermento's out. Walker Peters and Armstrong are a doubt. McCarthy's working his way back. But Wolves are without a lot of players as well. Um, Huang is out. He did his hamstring against Liverpool. He'll be gone for a while. Lamina is a doubt. He got a knock against Liverpool. Neto's still working his way back, probably a couple of weeks away. Traore's out for a month. Chiquinho's out till April. And Sasakalazic, they, they don't think he'll play again this season. And that might be for the best rather than rushing him back and risking a re-injury. Wolves have won two of their last three. They look a much better team under Lopetegui than they did when that weird caretaker thing was going on for far too long. Wolves have played Liverpool three times in the last month and given them three really good games. And if they can just repeat that, even away, I I do think they can win the game. I think I'll go 2-1 Wolves. I just, just imagine don't... you're playing Liverpool lots. <laughs> That's it. They, they look, lads, they're wearing red. It's the it's it's close. Just go and batter them. Southampton, they just look completely shorn of confidence. And they don't look like a group of players that are playing for this manager at all. So I'm gonna go for the for the Wolves win. Mind, it's a shame that Liverpool's defenders look like Southampton defenders at the minute, but we have a couple more games to discuss before that. Um, moving on to the late kick-up on the Saturday, we have Bournemouth against Newcastle, the Eddie Howe derby. Mm. Um, it'd be fun to see Bournemouth's new set of lads, I suppose, whereas Newcastle just chugging along, basically. Yeah, I mean, you look at Newcastle, 21 games, 10 wins, 10 draws, 1 defeat. Nobody's lost less games. They're, they're just so hard to beat. 12 goals conceded is absolutely phenomenal. Any claims that anybody other than Sven Botman is the best defender in the league this season are absolute nonsense. That guy has been phenomenal. Like, absolutely phenomenal. And they just... They look so hard to beat. Now, it is worth pointing out, they've only won one of their last five. And they'll be very disappointed with some of these draws because these are games they should be winning. They should be beating Leeds at home. Now, Arsenal away is a good point. They were very, very fortunate to beat Fulham. Very fortunate. Fulham scored a penalty. It was disallowed because it hit both feet. The ball went in the back of the net. That should have been 1-1. They drew away with Palace. That's a bit disappointing considering Palace's form. And then obviously they draw it home to West Ham, a bad West Ham team. So they're struggling for goals. They've only scored two goals in their last five league games. That's really poor. Now they have only conceded one goal in their last five league games. That's elite. It's actually one goal in their last nine league games and two in their last 11. Like their defensive record is is staggeringly good. Like If you look at their season so far, City scored three, Liverpool scored two, let me just pull this up. 
City scored three on the was it the second or third day of the season? Third day of the season. Two nil against Forest, nil nil with Brighton, three three with City. So there's three goals in one game. One one with Wolves, two one to Liverpool. There's five goals in two games. And nobody else has scored more than one on them in the league, other than Liverpool and City. So it's seven goals conceded in the other 19 games. Clean sheet against Forest, clean sheet against Brighton, clean sheet against Palace, clean sheet against United, clean sheet against Everton, clean sheet against Villa, clean sheet against Chelsea, clean sheet against Leicester, Leeds, Arsenal, Fulham and Palace. One goal conceded since coming back from the World Cup break in six games. One goal conceded in their last nine league games. That is, it's a phenomenal record. Did you see Eddie Howe becoming Diego Simeone? Was no. That on, was that on your bingo card? Then? No. <laughs> and like, it's not just the, the defense, it's, it's the shithousery, it's the time-wasting it's the diving. It's all those gnarly little things that you just didn't associate with Eddie Howe. It's what a what a job. What a job he's done. I, I genuinely thought that was doomed for failure. He's done an amazing job. He has completely changed my mind on what he is as a manager. Because at Bournemouth, his teams defensively were an absolute catastrophe. Mm-hmm. And this Newcastle team is the best defensive team in the league this season. And I'm fairly certain if we go back to when he took over, uh, which was the 8th of November last season. 8th of November last season. Okay. One, two, five, ten, eleven, twelve, sixteen. 22 goals conceded before he took over last season. And that was... They conceded, so he conceded 40 in... He conceded 40 in his 27 games, which was an improvement, but Take into account, they got absolutely battered a couple of times. Leicester, Liverpool and City put 11 past them in three games and Spurs put five past them and City put five past them. So in five games, they conceded 21 goals, which means in the other 22, they only conceded like 19 or something like that. That's pretty good. Like he, he did set in place a blueprint for what was going to happen. Yes, they got battered a few times, but all in all, they were keep, started keeping some clean sheets, won a lot of games, obviously. Just had a couple of really bad runs. But when you consider it, they hadn't won a game before he took over last season. They looked doomed. They had five points from their 11 games. They were bottom of the league. And he's completely turned things around. What a job. 
it is good to see. Job. It's a good to see a manager who took time off and actually improved. Where you look at yes. Lamp, you look at Lampard who got worse. <laughs> somehow. That's the thing. Lampard had a year off and got measurably worse. Eddie Howe had, however long it was, I don't think it was year, a full year, year off. Was it a year and was a bit? Year? So he ended. He ended the season, didn't he? Then a year off till November. Let me see. Yeah, I think you're right. I think just over a year. Eddie Howe finished up with... Yeah, he quit on the 1st of August 2020. Because obviously COVID. Mm -hmm. So he saw it that season. He had a year and three months off. And whatever he did while he was away... He came back a completely different type of manager. Just watching 90 Serie A and repeat. Clockwork Orange style. Watching Capello's <laughs> Milan, Lippi's Juve, Capello's Roma, Capello's Juve, Diego Simeone's Atletico Madrid. Tony Pulis' come- store. Oh, yes, yeah, absolutely a bit of Tony Pulis. <laughs> All he needs is a few long throws now, and he's, he's right up there. Um, he's done, he's done a, a fantastic job. He really has done a fantastic job. A credit to him. Like, they're in a cup final. They're going really well in the league. They're the best defensive team in the league. They're nearly impossible to beat. The only team they've lost to is Liverpool, who are crap. He should have been sacked for that, to be honest. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a sackable offence. Yeah. But yeah, I, they're winning this game. I, they're winning this game. I'll go, I'll go 2-0 to the tune. Yeah, Out the South Coast, Bournemouth. I'm looking forward to seeing to seeing Bournemouth because they've got a, a number of really exciting players that they've brought in. But no Lloyd Kelly, no Jack Stevens, no David Brooks. Tavernier should be back. Solanke should be back. So that's two big boosts. But Lewis Cook is out. Fredericks is out. Stanislas is out. Uh, the tune. No Mankeo. Gamerish is suspended. That's a huge blow. Targets out. Isak should be okay to go. Kraft is out. He wouldn't be playing anyway. So Gamerish is the is the only one they're really missing. Now he is their best player, and for me, he's the footballer of the year thus far. But I think they should still have enough to go to Bournemouth and get a comfortable win. I'll go two 0 Yeah, you'd think so. Moving on to Sunday, then we have a repeat of the midweek game. Unless that one was Old Trafford, and I can't remember. We have Leeds against Man United. Um, of course, it's all the way around it to Premier League. What am I thinking? Um, but Leeds against Man United. Um, this one's actually on TV. Logical thinking. Um, but Leeds, I haven't even seen the goals from this game, but you, you mentioned they improved. Um, I saw they played Weston McKenney as well as the other two midfielders, so a bit mm. more solid, I presume. Whereas Man United, is Casemiro suspended still? Casemiro is suspended. Yeah, That's not fun. Uh, and McTominay is missing as well. Uh, Ericsson obviously missing. So, Fred, someone in midfield? Fred and probably Sabitzer, is oh, my yeah. guess. I forgot he existed. Yeah, of course. Um, Donny van der Beek out for the season. Ericsson out for a few months. Casemiro suspended for this and one more. McTominay injured probably for the week or two. Uh, there's also missing Martial. Anthony has a leg injury. Wan Bissaka was sick, but he should be okay to go. He's been playing okay, mm-hmm. and obviously Greenwood is uh, is is he's just not. Going, I don't think he's ever going to play for them again, and, and rightly so. 
But Leeds have a lot of injuries of their own as well. Rodrigo's out um, for a while. Struyik is out. That's a blow because he's been playing well. Archie Gray is out. He wouldn't play anyway. Neither would Forshaw. Sonny Perkins has a knock. Liam Cooper, they're hopeful he could be back. But, I mean, he shouldn't play anyway because he shouldn't be starting for them. Sinistera has another injury, which is a big blow. Dallas is out and Mark Rocha is a doubt, but hopefully he'll be okay to go. Like you said, during the week, they did change the the approach a little bit. Um, they played very well. They did. They played very well. I, I liked the centre-back pairing. I thought they looked quite good. I thought Ailing was poor again. I don't really understand why Rasmus Christensen isn't starting. I, I don't know if it's this weird thing that because... Cooper's out, they have to play Ailing because you have to have one of the captains in. But they're both not good enough, so get rid of them both. Christensen's a much better right back than Ailing. Um They've got, yeah, like I say, they've got their own injury problems, but at home, United without Casemiro, with the confidence they'll take from what, what happened in the week, with Nanto in good form, with Somerville back and fit and looking looking like a good player again with Jorginho Ruder starting to find his feet as well with Aronson as an option I, I really like Leeds' chances in this game United were just so poor I will go for a I'll go for a 2-1 Leeds win Interesting. Mm. It's a bit weird, isn't it? Because you don't know with Leeds if they actually turn up. But if Bamford clicks, as you mentioned, the young wide forwards, they're very exciting. But young players week to week, whereas United, eh, you don't don't know. Um, But it was nice to see Sancho back at the midweek. It was. It It was great (laughs) to see him back, in fairness. It was great to see him back, great to see him score. It clearly meant a lot to him. And you could tell that his teammates were thrilled for him. But, I, like, you say leads with the young players and there is questions. Obviously, you are right. But there's also then questions over Sancho. There's questions yeah. over whether Rashford can sustain this run of form. There's questions over whether Veghorst should be continuing to play for this team as the starter because he hasn't been particularly good since joining. There's questions over United's defence. True. Because they are they are shaky, and without Casemiro, they just don't look the same team at all. So that's that's kind of why I do fancy Leeds. I think the energy of Leeds in midfield is is going to be really hard for United to cope with, with Adams and McKenney in there. Yeah, it's certainly a strong midfield. Um, and if Rocker can make it back as well, you could outnumber the only two midfielders at United. Yeah, the that's the thing. And United don't have anyone to bring off the bench then. Yeah, like they've, they've got no change to make. Just young lads, isn't it? You bring on Hannibal to come foul people again. Or is he on yeah. loan? I think he's on loan, isn't he? I have no idea. They had... Zidane Iqbal? Zidane Iqbal, I think he's a midfielder. Kobe Mino, Minu, he's a midfielder, but he's 17. Uh, Zidane Iqbal, I think, is 17 or 18 as well. He's 19. But that's who you've got. You've got a 19-year-old and a 17-year-old. That's who they've got to bring off the bench. 
So, I mean, that's not ideal. Whereas not they, have, they have three wingers. Alanga's fallen from grace, hasn't he? Like he felt like a lot. He should, felt like he should have went on loan somewhere, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, definitely. He needs a loan. Palestri needs a loan. I forgot he existed. I think so did Eric Tenag. I think. <laughs> like, I just there's there's so many question marks over this United team at the minute, and there's just there's flaws in that team that I I think are going to get exposed. So, um, I'll go with the Leeds. I'll stick with the Leeds win. Yeah, it should be fun anyway. That's on telly, um, as I said. Moving on to the late kickoff on Sunday, or the later kickoff on Sunday, I should say. Man City against Villa. Um, we mentioned Villa threw away their game last mm. weekend, but Man City are not Man City at the minute, and added pressure of, well, the whole club maybe getting relegated, etc. Yeah. <laughs> Might be it's an odd time. But even in the loss to Spurs beat Wolves, but they've not been playing well even in the games they've won. It's a very strange situation at Man City, added on to the club uh, situation as well. And Villa, and I wouldn't say are a bogey team of Man City, but even like the last game of last season, uh, Villa kind of threw away a win. Thanks for that, lads. Um, but they always seem to cause some teams issues, and I think Man City are one of them. Yeah, they got a draw with City earlier this season as well, a game City yes. dominated, but Villa were able to fight back and get a good point from. Uh, Villa, Diego Carlos is still out with the torn Achilles, but hopefully he could be back this month. Bertrand Traore returned off loan, and he's not match fit, but they're working their way back with him. And Jed Steer is the backup keeper, the third-choice keeper. He wouldn't be playing anyway. The only one out for City is John Stones. Phil Foden should recover from a virus, so he should be okay. Um, this is must-win for City. It's absolutely must-win because they should have closed the gap on Arsenal last weekend. They cannot afford the gap to grow. Arsenal played the day before them again, so they'll know what Arsenal's result has been. There is huge pressure because of this ongoing investigation. That can go one of two ways. That can galvanise everybody. They can take a, you know, us against the world mentality, which is what Mourinho would do. Or they can feel sorry for themselves, which is kind of what Pep tends to do. I think City will win this game because they're at home. And Tyron Mings is, is a liability and was awful last weekend. I haven't been impressed by Moreno. I think this Villa team can be got at. I think, though, Pep needs to drop Jack Grealish, because I don't think he offers anything to the team other than winning free kicks. I thought he was awful last weekend against Spurs, and he's still playing regularly. I think Pep needs to bite the bullet, go back to his best players. Diaz and Laporte at centre-back, De Bruyne and Gundogan in midfield with Rodri, play Bernardo on the right, Foden on the left, and get the ball into Haaland as often and as early as possible and take advantage of the physical advantages that he has over Villa centre-backs. He's got the height and the speed to beat both of them. Mings is a big guy. He's strong. He did fairly well against Haaland the last time. Mm -hmm. But when Haaland got the run on him off his shoulder, Mings couldn't deal with him. He's much bigger than Ezri Konza, more powerful. Konza has the pace to almost keep up with him and cause him trouble. But if you can get the aerial ball in on top of Konza, that's where Haaland can hurt him. 
if you can get the ball in behind Mings, who's quick when he's facing the right direction, but slow on the turn, that's where Haaland can hurt him. City can absolutely carve this Villa team open. But Villa have won their last three in a row away from home, which is very unlike a new an Unai Emery team. But I'm going to go for City to win. I'm going to go 3-1. And that is the last game of football, so we'll move on to Monday's wrestling match. Um, <laughs> we have Liverpool against Everton in the Merseyside derby. <clears throat> Jesus. Um, right, Liverpool have to treat the Wolves game as a kick up the backside, um, whereas Everton have to just do what they did last weekend, basically, and they'll probably win. But it, I suppose this all depends if Liverpool can remember they're a football team. This game lives and dies on what Liverpool do, because if if Everton play the same way they did against Arsenal, Liverpool play the same way they did against Brentford and Brighton and Wolves, Everton win this game probably fairly comfortably because Liverpool will fold like a deck of cards. Um, no Garner, no Thompson, no, sorry, no Townsend, no Patterson. Keane probably another couple of weeks away, and Calvert-Lewin is a doubt. And Calvert-Lewin being a doubt is a big blow for Everton, because that could take away the direct long ball, which he would feast on up against the likes of Matip and Gomez. Now, Liverpool have a whole bunch of injuries. Um, no Diaz Arthur probably not ready Kanate definitely not ready Firmino probably not ready Van Dijk probably not ready Fabinho's back Thiago's a doubt Jota should make the bench you say Liverpool should take that Wolves game as a kick up the backside but I mean the Brentford and Brighton sure. games were, were the same and and they were. You know, I know this is worse because Wolves are not as good as Brentford and Brighton, but Liverpool have been abysmal. They've been abysmal all season long, and based on what Klopp has said about his captain today, Henderson is starting in this game, and he's been atrocious for eighteen months. Maybe the derby will spark a decent performance out of him. You'd have to go back to the Goodison derby last season to find his last good game or or was it United away? Which one was the which one came second? Uh, I think it was I think it was the Goodison Derby. Um that was the last time he put in a really good performance in Liverpool shirt. It was either one of those two games. Since then he's been largely dreadful. Largely dreadful. Uh now, there is a there is yeah, a question obviously we Everton game. We have um, Real Madrid coming up, and that is literally the only thing left in our season because um, mm. we're not getting top four and we want to avoid the Europa stuff. Naby Kate is made out of like chalk and crackers. Do we just put in all the old lads and not give a toss? <laughs> I mean, one option is you go Henderson, Fabinho, and Basetic, and you just try and have some size in there. The problem yeah. is Henderson's legs are gone, Fabinho's slow, and Basetic is slow. Whereas Onana, Dukure, and Adrissagana Gay can run and run and run and do so with pace and power. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be a problem. And the problem with that Liverpool three is that Fabinho's struggled on the ball this season. Henderson's poor on the ball. Besetic is decent on the ball, but. 18. 
he's 18, he's a child, and under that type of physical pressure... Onana is seven foot tall. <laughs> that's the thing. Onana just wrap a leg around, take it off, and he's gone up the field. Um, I am really concerned about this game. We did a scouted for this. I think I picked Everton to win. The Calvert-Lewin injury does kind of change things a little bit. It does take out one route, and it you know the set. It, he's also a big threat on set pieces, where Liverpool have been so poor. I mean, could Klopp start Nat Phillips? He, he'll help in terms of the set piece and the long ball. But if Calvert Lewin's not there, the long ball is going to be a low ball in to the feet of Mopé, which is is where Nat Phillips will struggle. At the same time, though, Dave Matip has been. An abomination. An abomination for a full year now, guy. Yeah, for a full year. You go back to the start of February last year. He's been poor. I know he won Player of the Player of the Year in February, or Player, Player of the month. month in February. But he was poor in February, and the award was a farce. I think he won it because he scored a goal. He he was playing really well to that point. From August to January, he was really good. Had a bad February. Was poor the rest of the season. Has been awful this season. His performance against Wolves was a shambles. But, I mean, Joe Gomez hasn't exactly been great either. It's good so for being Fabinho and that Phillips centre-back partnership. Do you know, <laughs> if everybody was fit, I'd probably play Fabinho at centre-back next to one of Gomez or Matin. Well, I, I made this point on the press, uh, press conference show we do on, the, on AI, that Matip's never really played well with anyone other than Van Dijk or no. Fabinho. Yeah. So I'm getting, and people always say Fabinho when it was the COVID season that they were surprised how vocal Fabinho was. So, and he was brilliant. Like Fabinho genuinely was the best centre back in the league from the start of the season when he shifted back against Chelsea all the way up to John Henderson with the centre back. Henderson going centre back (laughs) next to him and and the whole thing falling apart. Like Fabinho carried that defence. And that midfield, which was lacking. Like, Ginny was playing well, but Thiago was struggling. Henderson was was really poor. There was a bunch of injuries. It was a mess, but Fab was sensational. Mm. And I, I do wonder if that's maybe where his future lies, is playing centre-back. Now, I know he doesn't love it because he doesn't, doesn't love the toll it takes in his body because the physicality of it. But if, if everybody was fit... Well, if everybody, if everybody was fit, he'd be playing in midfield because Virgil and Ibu would be the centre-back pairing. But if if oh, everybody in midfield was fit, was fit yeah. and the defence was what it was, you'd absolutely play Fabinho at centre-back. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm going to stick with... I'm going to go for a draw. I'm going to go for a draw. The Calvert-Lewin injury, I think, swings things a little bit. I don't fancy Liverpool to win, though, because until they show me they can win... I don't fancy them to win. I'll I go. just want to. I just want to see a goal. <laughs> a goal, just one. Just one one is fine. Baby steps. Liverpool need Salah and Darwin to to get their arses in gear and step up. That's that's what they need. They need them to to start scoring goals. But they're not the problem. The midfield is the biggest problem. The defense is the second biggest problem. But it's fixed by players getting fit again. By mm-hmm. Ibu and Virgil getting fit. The midfield is not fixed. Internally, it's fixed with signings, which Liverpool have neglected. 
the attack think, is fixed by bringing people back as well. Yeah, <laughs> by bringing Jota and Diaz back and by just players getting the shit together. Stop playing him um, as an assistant referee. Yeah, exactly. Stop playing him as a winger. Like, play him through the middle. At this point, play him through the middle. I'll go 1-1. One, one. I don't feel good about it. And I have a feeling it's going to ruin my week. But that's what we're going to go with. And that's it. I'm not talking about it anymore <laughs> until post-match Raw when we go on to discuss Everton 3, Liverpool 0 at Anfield um, and demand that Jurgen Klopp either shape up or ship out or something stupid like that <laughs> uh, in the aftermath. But yeah, I, I, I don't feel good about that game at all. Right, we will leave it there. And uh, thank you as always, Mr. Drinkle. You enjoy your weekend. We'll see you all on Monday. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.